0: RadioInfluence.com
1: You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence.
0: Sitting ringside, my name is David Penzer. We are so happy, as always, that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. You might have noticed that I did not say it's a world gone mad week four or week five or whatever week it is. I figured you'd listen to the podcast not to be reminded the world's gone mad, but to take your mind off it. So that's gone, um, and we'll just assume that the world will always be mad. Uh, not, not, hold on, don't take this the wrong way, not like it is now, but in some form or fashion. Um, sorry from the bottom of my heart that we could not be, uh, I was really looking forward to talking WrestleMania with Jerry P. the boss, uh, oh, by the way, the boss wants me to tell you that this is the first week we have done this where he's not here with his computer to get all my volumes right, and so he's at his studio, uh, home and studio, or studio, I don't know where, and I'm at my office, so we're working out on any kinks, so if the volume's a little screwy, well, we're going to work that out in the weeks to come. So are you happy, Jerry? Um, oh, I forgot he can't talk to me. So anyway... Um, or you could talk to me, you can't talk to you. Uh, so Crazy Week, uh, I, I took copious notes, three page on a full pad, and I write small of notes. I write so small that I starred some of the things I wanted to mention, just to highlight, since it's a week later. And uh, I, I, with, with two lights on in my office, I still have to use the flashlight on my phone to see what the heck it says. But, um, but uh, I was supposed to tape on Monday And I woke up on Monday. I think if you follow me on Twitter, and if you don't, why not? At David Penzer, all one word, D-A-V-I-D-P-E-N-Z-E-R, David Penzer. Follow me. Um, But I I put this on Twitter. I woke up on Monday. Well, actually, the wife woke me up, and she accused me of not paying the Wi-Fi bill. And I had just paid the Wi-Fi bill like a week earlier. So I said, yeah, sure, I paid the Wi-Fi bill. I swear to God. And um, what had happened, I guess, is there was a car accident in the front of our neighborhood, and the Wi-Fi went down till about 3, 4 o'clock, at which point at about 3 o'clock I had to get in my car and drive. And i am just been home. We're taping this Sunday evening, uh, so really the night before you're going to hear this. Uh, not the interview that we're going to do for you. And by the way, we have a fascinating, fascinating interview with former adult film entertainer, uh, professional wrestler, and uh, someone who's doing a one-lady show that has been getting a lot of buzz. She's very opinionated, and uh, it will be an interesting 30 minutes or so. I'm talking about Jasmine St. Clair, who worked for ECW and owned uh, 3PW, I believe the promotion was called. We'll talk about all that, plus a little bit about the adult entertainment industry, her thoughts on the women's revolution, which will stun you. Uh, Talk about cancel culture. She's about to get run off Twitter. But um, but you're going to hear that as after my rambling. So stick around. You do not want to miss this interview. I guarantee you it's going to go viral. And um, so, so be the first to hear it. So um, so as of now, we're taping the opening and the close uh, Sunday night at 642 Eastern Time. I just got home. Can't really talk about where I've been. I will tell you two things. I was not uh, Baker acted and put in a mental facility, although probably I deserve to be. And I did not have coronavirus, knock on wood. And I hope I don't. But other than that, someday it's a crazy story. I hope I wish I could tell you about it. But uh, for reasons I can't go into, I can't. But I promise you, when I can, I will. And it's a crazy story. So Back here now, and I just wanted to go over WrestleMania a little bit. I, like I said, we were going to do a whole probably 90-minute show, Jerry and I talking about it. But I'm um, just going to give you the, the – the, the I went back through it and starred the things I just wanted to talk about a little bit. want to first say, A, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, not even close actually. Um, when I first turned it on, I'm thinking, you know, if, if it wasn't for the fact we were doing a podcast that we never did uh, – then I would wouldn't even be really be watching this. I'd probably go back and watch the highlights later on and fast forward and stuff. Uh, I want to send a huge, huge, huge kudos to all the wrestlers. The uh, more, more, mostly the wrestlers, but also the the production people, the agents, the um, everybody involved. Uh, but particularly the wrestlers. Uh, you know. A lot. Most people. Some people don't know this, but adrenaline has a lot to do with pain tolerance. And you know, they might say it's scripted entertainment, but wrestling is is a, is a painful athletic endeavor. Uh, no matter how great you are, and how much school you've been to, and how how many tricks you picked up, uh, you know, it hurts. And um. And so, the roar of the crowd is an aphrodisiac that takes away. Uh, you know, some of that, that pain and, you know, and, and, and gives, you, uh, gives you the momentum to, uh, to, 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 to keep on going. And they all work really hard. I want to pay a special thank you to uh, the ladder, ladder match participant. John Morrison was the star of the show, followed by Kofi Kingston. And, of course, um, Jimmy Uso or Jay, one of, whichever one of the Uso's it was. Uh, great match. And I can't even imagine some of that stuff they did in a regular show in a stadium full of 70,000 people. But to do that in a uh, studio with no fans, uh, you know, that's, that's just amazing stuff. I, I can't stress. And everybody worked their butt off from the first match to the last match. Well, the last match, maybe not so much. That was uh, quick and uh, probably for the best. Uh, but almost every match, they worked their butt off. And the, and the ones that didn't work their butt off, there was a reason they kept it short. And I'm, prob- I'm sure nobody was, uh, was upset about that. So I want to just send a big, big, big uh, high five, as, as, as uh, Diamond Dallas Page would say, self-high five to all of the talent and, to a lesser extent, everybody involved in the production in these times. So I'll go on and just give you a little bit of the highlights. Loved America, the beautiful montage. My wife got goosebumps. My 25-year-old son got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. Uh, It was fantastic. And whoever's idea it was should get a raise. And um, I love the opening package. Um, I, I wish they wouldn't have shown the same exact one both nights, but I get it. From the amount of times that they showed all the talent, it seems to me like they are pushing Seth Rollins, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Drew Galloway, Roman Reigns, and Kofi Kingston. Those were the ones who were featured the most. And while I am a huge, huge Kofi Kingston fan and loved the, the run-up to him winning the, the world title last year at WrestleMania, um, it seems to me like they're keeping the New Day you know, together as a team and not Kofi as a single. So I found that interesting, and, and I wouldn't be surprised based on that if, if Kofi... Uh, got a little bit more of a push because uh, th- that's where the the package was based around those characters. Uh, we open with the Gronk being on uh, Gronk being on the perch. The perch makes me think that Gronk would have been doing his party at the pirate ship in Raymond James Stadium, uh, which would have been cool actually. But uh, that's that's that. Maybe I'm just um, maybe I'm just putting two and two together. But that was my thought is that probably they were going to do some kind of party with VIPs and plants and stuff on the pirate ship, and that's where he was going to host it from. Um, I know they've been doing this for a while, uh, and if anybody has an answer, let me know, but I, I, because I was watching closely and taking notes, I noticed it. They, the, they have some, some lovely ladies and, and good interviewers that, that do backstage interviews. They ask a question, hold the mic, and when the talent walks off, Normally, when you do interviews, you pitch to something. You say, "Okay, now you know, let's go to this package talking about Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins." I'm making it up, and or let's get to the ring. They don't let them pitch to anything. They pause, and then they look confused. Every time I saw one of these interviews, they look confused, like they didn't know what to do next. Uh, if anybody has any idea what the, that is for about, uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, the only thing I want to say about the Sami Zayn-Daniel Bryan match, which I actually thought was a good match, was I have writ- written here and I put on Twitter, Dustin Diamond playing the role of Sami Zayn, playing the role of Larry Zabisco. So if that line doesn't pop you after you've watched that match, then nothing I say is going to entertain you today. But Jasmine will, so stick around. As far as the Kevin Owen seth Rollins match, uh, I really liked it, and it reminded me... Of the I Quit match between Ric Flair and Terry Funk from back in um, the early into the late '80s or the early '90s for Jim Crockett Promotions or WCW. If you've never seen that match and you enjoyed the Kevin Owens Seth Rollins match and all the going back and forth, a lot of these matches had people talking back and forth, but this one in particular, because of the sticks and the violence. Uh, reminded me of the Ric Flair-Terry Funk-I-Quit match. It was one of the greatest matches of all time, in my opinion. Um, you could put, go on uh, Twitter or YouTube and Google that match, and I'm sure you could check it out. But uh, if you like Terry Funk or you like that kind of action, uh, be sure to look for that and uh, tell me if you think I'm correct. Love the Boneyard match. Love the sound effects. It could, now, it could have been grown worthy It could have been something that um, didn't work. But it, it worked, and I was wondering if uh, the car window, uh, picking up the, the steel rod in the, that he hit in the hands and punching out the car window and then getting cut open, I was wondering if that was like a rib on Goldberg, because um, Goldberg was supposed to do that very thing, I think it was in Wisconsin somewhere, it was a WCW Night Show or Thunder event, and um, ended up... Uh, couldn't couldn't get the, the little rod to work, so he ended up punching the window himself and almost bled out and was out of action for a long time. So I couldn't imagine any other reason why they do that other than just like a wink-wink to Goldberg. Um, Edge and Orton. First, let me remind you, if you listen to this podcast, that I very rarely put over WWE angles, mostly because I pretty much fast-forward through their shows. And... Um, I love the lead up, the build up to this edge, Randy Orton match. I particularly on several occasions uh, mentioned it and put it over how much I loved it. That match was too long. I'm sorry. I love those guys. I love the angle. I was looking forward to the match. It went too long and it just really dragged towards the end. And uh, uh, I know I'm not the only one who felt that they worked their ass off. It was stiff and, uh, Edge is crazy for doing the stuff he's doing right now, jumping to a 10-foot table. Uh, it's a false finish, no less. But um, it just it went too long, and it didn't work, which is a shame because it should have worked. And finally, before we move on with this morning's entertainment, or whenever you're listening to this, the very uh, controversial House of Fun Firefly House of Fun match between John Cena or Bray Wyatt. I loved it. I liked it better than the Boneyard match. I loved it. And by the way, I put on there, it's the only time at any WrestleMania that not one person booed John Cena when he came out. Anyway, I loved it. It was a shoot. It was part shoot, part poking fun, uh, part real emotion, Uh, really no wrestling other than a a finish and um, sort of a pass into the torch in a strange kind of way. I loved it. Um, You can't do it every week. You can't do it with it probably every month stuff like that. You could probably get away with doing like the boneyard match, cinematic stuff like that. But something that that looks like uh, somebody on acid uh, came up with it, you can't do that a lot. But for what it was, and for uh, the enjoyment of myself and a lot, I know a lot of other fans and a, a lot of wrestlers loved it. People you wouldn't think—I'm not going to sit here and name everybody—but people you wouldn't think, people you think are old school, loved the. Uh, Seen a Bray Wyatt skit, I guess you would say, on WrestleMania. Anyway, I really enjoyed it more than I did. Drew Galloway got his moment, so good for him. Sucks it wasn't in a stadium, but I'm happy for him. And um, he'll hopefully, knock on wood, he'll get his moment down the road. And uh, by the way, I'm not gonna keep going. We'll discuss it another time. But if you haven't already seen the Drew Galloway and the Edge, Adam Copeland uh, specials on WWE Network. Uh, it's worth the cost of the network. It's worth the 9.99 dollars alone. The Edge one is worth it alone. The Drew Galloway one is great, too. So hopefully we can talk about those in another, another time. But um, I thought those were very well produced. And the Edge one, if uh, you didn't get emotional watching that at the end of the, the documentary, you, uh, you're better man or woman than I, that's all I could tell you. It was, uh, it was, uh, you know, WWE put uh, their production has always been better, better than anybody else I'd say in the world. Uh, and, um, it, it, it was as well for both of these specials. So I, if you haven't watched those go out of your way to watch it, uh, if you haven't watched that, how uh, firefly house of fun match, watch it. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about my comments. Uh, like I said, follow me on Twitter at David Penzer. I, uh, I am very uh, easy and and we'll talk about almost anything except politics. And um, for example, last night I was in a hotel in the Bible Belt and I wrote at 12 midnight that um, I was hoping to get Waffle House, but Waffle House was closed. So I had to get two candy bars and was wondering which one had the most calories and like You'd be surprised how many – we we, 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 we have, we're, were going on with that back and forth for about an hour. Then I went to sleep. But um, never did get to Waffle House this trip. But uh, back on the diet tomorrow for sure. I want to mention very quickly before we throw to Jasmine St. Clair. Um, I'm sure a lot of you uh, listen to the Jim Cornette Show podcast with Kevin Sullivan. Um, if you haven't, you probably should. If you have any interest in the whole Chris Benoit saga – uh, if you've watched the the, the Vice uh, documentary, uh, even if you haven't, and I still haven't watched part two of that, by the way, just as an uh, an update, um, I will at some point. I will tell you this: I was mentioned twice in that I was the only wrestler I believe, other than William Regal, who was mentioned by not wrestler, personality person, who was mentioned by name in the entire segment. I will tell you that I was very close to Chris and Nancy. I traveled. Kevin Sullivan took me under his wing. Uh, right around that time, that thing started getting tough, which was way before the, um, the whole angle started with Benoit and Nancy. Uh, when I say way, about six months. Um, and I was also very close, as you know, because we socialized, our family socialized together in our little Peachtree City group with Chris Benoit. And we, I rode with Chris a lot, too, as we, we talked about in the podcast uh, where Chris Jericho was on. Uh, from earlier in the year. And I will tell you that I'm, I, I'm not going to, I, you know, there's a lot of controversy about this whole thing. Um, I'm not, I wasn't at everybody's house every all the time. Uh, God knows what happens behind closed doors. So I'm not taking sides here in any way, shape or form. What I will tell you is that everything that Kevin Sullivan said in that podcast, to the best of my knowledge, and I have a lot of knowledge of it, was a hundred percent true. I haven't talked to Kevin about it. Uh, He didn't ask me to say anything. I just wanted, since I was mentioned twice, I just wanted to say that as far as I know, and there's some things I didn't know, believe it or not, I didn't know that, uh, that she had stabbed Kevin. Uh, I didn't know that. So they kept that under the wraps, I guess, or maybe that happened earlier before I started hanging out with them, but I didn't know that. But for everything I do know, and I do know a lot, Um, everything he said was 100% to the best of my knowledge, true. So I'll just leave it at that. If you have any other questions, you can feel free to hit me up on Twitter at David Penzer, all one word. Interesting, interesting guest this week. And um, she has done a little bit of everything, and that's an understatement, but uh, very intelligent and uh, very, very opinionated about um, cancel culture and – Uh, the women's movement and all that stuff so um, I really think you're going to enjoy this interview so hang on for the ride of your life a roller coaster like you've never been on ladies and gentlemen please welcome my guest this week Jasmine St. Clair Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week on City Ringside has done a little bit of everything actress, wrestler, promoter, music industry reporter. And until the world went crazy uh, recently, she had a uh, stage show called A Weird Kind of Fame on uh, the second city in Hollywood and was planning to be in the cutting room in New York City in June. Her name is Jasmine St. Clair, former ECW wrestler. Uh, she wrestled uh, with us in the XWF as the manager for Public Enemy under a different name. Uh, Jasmine, welcome to City Ringside. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. It's been a long time.
2: I know. It's been like too long, I feel, right? But at least everyone's like been doing something cool since XWF disbanded.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about Public Enemy in a little bit because uh, those two yeah. t- out, of, out of all the people that we've lost in this wrestling business, th- those wow. are two of the ones that uh, that I think about the most. But and I know you got to spend some cool time with them uh, when you were, I guess, managing them would have been a better word in the XWF. Um, so tell me what you're doing now. Uh, you stuck inside? You uh,
2: <laughs> well, it depends. Like I've been going out a lot on hikes. I've been riding my motorcycle. I'm actually working on a podcast with my manager for my one woman show. We are kind of fame. because a lot of stories aren't going to make it to the stage. Um, so we're planning this whole thing. Then I've also started taking a dialect class online, which is really odd. I'm used to doing those sorts of things in person, but unfortunately this is all they could offer. So You know, it's something to stay constructive and, you know, another thing to add to an actor's tool belt, so a toolbox. Um, And, you know, I've been getting an online store ready through Shopify and so forth. And just planning my show for June in New York City at the Cutting Room. So the show isn't dead. It's just that there are some new dates for the Second City one. And I'm sure that'll happen over the summer. But I'm totally fine with what's going on. I think it's a great time for people also just to sit back and think about things. Not not cuz I'm saying it's the end of the world. It's not the end of the freaking world, but just to think about things in general, life, you know, things, people we've, you know, let go from our past maybe and you know I just repaired a friendship of 5 years we didn't speak in like 8 months. <clears throat> and you know, we were both thinking about this whole thing and you know, the friendship is repaired.
0: So yeah, I've had Something, some people reach.
2: Things are bad as you think,
0: huh? Yeah, I've had some people reach out to me that uh, I haven't spoken to in 25, 30 years, uh, through uh, through Facebook uh, PMs. Wow. uh that's a long time. <laughs> you you, talk, you were, yeah, I'm I'm an old guy. You were talking about a dialect class. Um, I understand you speak five different languages. Is that correct?
2: Right, I'm learning a sixth now. I'm actually learning Finnish as well.
0: Why Why wouldn't you be? Why Why the heck not? What is? What? How did you learn all those languages? And is there an advantage as an actress? Or just is it something that okay. you're always interested in? No, I've
2: been speaking French since the age of five. And I the took it other- in school. And then I took Latin in school as well. Um, I speak Spanish, Portuguese, French, German, and Norwegian. And now I'm learning Finnish. And of course, I speak English. But I don't know if you really want to you know, call English as a language really because it's something we speak all the time.
0: <laughs> Do you get, I always wondered about people that could speak a lot of languages. Do you get like confused or just, does the mind go like right, if if I said to you, I'm gonna have a conversation with you in Latin, uh, your mind would just switch right to Latin and you'd go naturally? Yeah,
2: it happens naturally. I mean, I was at a, a conference a conference ago. And the guy sitting to my right of me spoke French, I spoke English, and the guy to my to the other side spoke Portuguese. So it was really cool, like speaking both languages, kind of turning to one person, speaking one, then to another, speaking another. And it was just this really cool, different dynamic. Um, yeah, it was fun. It makes life more interesting. It definitely does not leave life you know, boring. Yeah, <laughs> and up. I it's think it's also respecting, since I've been traveling as a child, I just feel it's this naturally built in respecting you have for other countries and other places you go to speak a few words in their language. Even if you do not understand everything, at least you're making that effort.
0: Sure. You mentioned being as a child. Let's go back there. Uh, were you a wrestling fan growing up at all, or is it something you discovered later in oh, life? Oh,
2: of course. No, no, no. I used to watch wrestling with my grandmother and the first match that we saw live um, it was Jimmy Snuka and Madison Square Garden. I used to watch Glow growing up. Then I was trained much later on by a Glow girl um, and Mondo Guerrero. Then I, my only WrestleMania was at the Skydrome in Canada. It was Hulk versus the Ultimate Warrior.
0: You, that's the only one you watched or that's the only one you were there live?
2: No, I went to two of them live. I went to the one at the Garden with Jimmy Suka, and then I went to the uh, the WrestleMania live with Hogan versus Warrior. That was I just- amazing.
0: I okay. just saw a photo of that from like the last row in the building, and you could barely see the ring. I don't know how close <laughs> you guys were, but it was a it was an amazing spectacle, and it was before they had a lot of the big screens. So it was, it was something I saw yesterday on Twitter, just stumbled upon. But uh, I think yesterday was the the anniversary of that show. But um, yeah. so Madison Square Garden and the Sky Dome. That's not if you're gonna if you're only gonna go to two events as a kid. That's that's not a bad two places to go.
2: I so, know. Fortunate. But I also feel like I was a lot younger, so my eyesight was a lot better. And I didn't have to worry about you know being up in a nosebleed seat. We we didn't have nosebleed seats, by the way. We were um we were gone, maybe like the 15th row in, 20th row in. Wow.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That must have been that must have been a great experience live. Completely. So a lot of people don't know that you went to college at Columbia University. Um Talk to me about edu- get your education growing up and your choice to go to Columbia and um, and what you what you were going to college for.
2: Sure, actually, I so I first went to the Montessori school in New York, and I went to mostly private school because it just seemed like a much better um, education, um, educational. What can I put it standard? You know, the classes were smaller. And at that time, I believe there was a lot of violence in the public school. So I'm very grateful to my mom for doing that for me. Um, I was skip-rated like once. Then I decided to go into business. I didn't do my first year at Columbia University. I spent that first year in London at Schiller International University. I spent a lot of time in England before that because my cousins that were closer to my age lived there. So my mother would send me there quite a bit to travel and see them. Then, um, then I transferred to Columbia. It just seems like a cool thing. Like, Brooke Shields went to Princeton. There's no way I'm going to go to freaking New Jersey to school. So, <laughs> yeah, I lived in New York. It's Columbia. That's the Ivy League. There's, I'm not going to Boston. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> did you graduate no from offense, Columbia? By the way.
2: Yeah, um,
0: I did. My degree's in business. Degrees in business. Um how, let me ask you a question, without getting too specific, because I know you talk about it in the show. How did you end up in L.A.?
2: Well, I listened to a lot of Judas Priest growing up, and that song, <laughs> Desert Plains, sounded like something I'd want to do on a motorcycle. Just
0: there you word, go. That's
2: one way to describe it. Plus, I dated someone looked that you that
0: That's probably more like it. Um I
2: don't know about that, but it was <laughs> no. interesting nonetheless.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, so you so you went to ECW, and uh, did Paul reach out to you? Did you reach out to him? How did that happen?
2: Sure. I was actually working for. Um, I was doing the whole Jerry Waller thing in Memphis, and I I did a little bit of managing at some indie shows locally through the Metal Fest. The guy, his name was Jack Koshik. Um. Let's see, so, uh, okay, so it's Dudley boys, actually. It's their fault. Um, I had become friends with Big Dick Dudley. He was really a cool person and one of my closest friends in that business. In turn, he put me in touch with Bubba and Yvonne, and they got me to Paul Heyman. And then Paul Heyman reached out back to me and got me in for the Living Dangerously pay-per-view. But it was because of the Dudley boys. I mean, I owe everything to them. In that respect, and then everything else to Paul Heyman for taking a chance. I mean, it's, it's people that get you through the door, and then once you are through that door, and this is anything in life, it's up to them.
0: Sure. I know it is up to the individual, but I know that Paul is is, no, is known as one of the more brilliant minds in the business. Talk to me about watching him operate. As somebody who's a uh, has a degree from Columbia University in business, talk to me about watching him operate.
2: I think he was very stealth at what he did. He made people feel comfortable. Like that time I took the pile driver off that top rope, I only knew about it like ten minutes before. It wasn't the biggest deal. But he's very, he should have been like a cult leader, and he was in a way. Um, He's really smart. I think he sees what some people may see as a negative and makes it into a positive, which overshadows whatever anyone might see as a negative. Let's say someone had a criminal background, and no one else would hire whatever, XYZ wrestler. He would turn it around. He'd even play on whatever the swabble is in that person and make it work really well. He has... A talent for that he has a talent to make anyone into a rock star or most people not all
0: <laughs> Wish you would have given me a chance No, i'm 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 I'm, uh, I'm happy with how it went but um so you when you went there had you already trained to be a wrestler a little bit you had mentioned being trained by mondo mm-hmm. and one of the glow girls
2: well what had happened was i had taken a few classes from sue sexton who is the glow girl she's from australia and um I had a few classes, yes, and and I kept going and taking more classes between her and Mondo Guerrero. But because of my size, I was used as a manager. But I, I did a few matches in my time. Like I worked with Sherry Martel. Wow, which is amazing! She's a wonderful woman. It's so sad what happened. And it's really nice, like going there and then people gave me a chance, like. You don't know what to expect when you get certain people in a locker room. Do they know how to be respectful? Do they know how to shut their mouths up? Do they know how to, you know, actually understand that, you know, you're trusting your body with someone and their, your safety and vice versa? And um, not everyone gets that, I feel, even people that have been around longer. But, yeah, it was quite a privilege, for sure.
0: Wow. That's that. that. That, i am having memories now of of Sherry Martell. what a what a wonderful human being <laughs> she was she she was Crazy. you know when when she was out there she was as mean as mean could be and she could and she could kick your your ass excuse yeah, my french the guys. yeah exactly i i was talking mostly about the guys but then you get to the back you go out to the bar and she's the southern you know most southern most respectful nicest lady in the world
2: Yeah, it was really weird. It was that markout moment, and I was kind of scared because I got to meet one of my idols, but I understood you can't, it's like a different version of stage fright, where it's, um, I don't know what you want to call it, (sighs) fan fright in a way, would that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting. It was interesting doing a lot of those shows, even like the indie shows on the some days when we were off meeting like the Iron Sheik, Abby the Butcher and everyone. So, yeah, it was quite a, a world on its own, but it was an amazing world. It's one I would totally relive again without, you know, without a doubt. <laughs>
0: The Iron Sheik is one of the most Iron Sheik is one of the most unique individuals I've ever met, <laughs> and, and, and and similarly to Ric Flair, what you see is what you get. What you hear on the internet and what you might see in documentaries is exactly uh, the Iron Sheik twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. So oh God, bless yeah, scary. Cheeky. So <laughs> amazing. So. Um, I, I didn't, didn't know you took – I remember it now, but I didn't mention it when I was doing the research. I never came across it for the uh, the research for this interview. Uh, I didn't know that you took a pile driver off the top rope. Tell me about that because that, that takes some guts. Yeah, that was cute. And Balls Mahoney
2: Nutcrackers. I've taken a lot of them, um, you know, whether you either find it on our video or something. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I trusted Rhino and bear in mind, these guys are like sweaty and they, um, it <clears throat> you know, could be a little bit slippery. It's a very, and you perch up on their thighs, no matter how big they are. And you're up in the air. <laughs> adrenaline rush is over.
0: Uh, and uh,
2: I, I like the adrenaline rush. I, I lifted that.
0: That's a heck of an adrenaline rush. Uh, did you, did you right. feel it? Did you feel it at all? Or did, uh, <laughs> did he totally protect you?
2: I didn't feel it at all. I mean, the only thing I ever did feel was Nicole Bass chokeslamming me, rest her soul. But she is, I don't think she earned the word, green giant, the term for any reason other than that. So I'll leave it as, you know, that is what it is.
0: Sure, sure. Um, you you mentioned uh, uh, liking adrenaline rushes. Do you wear a helmet when you ride a motorcycle? Who? Do you wear do you, when you ride a motorcycle do you wear a helmet
2: Always yeah I know Florida is a no helmet state Connecticut um Pennsylvania Ohio but I always do I have a full face helmet I so mean that- you have to there are a lot of idiots out there in California especially with these Uber drivers that are so stupid <laughs> and then you get these girls on their cell phones doing their selfies and, and doing their dumb little videos not really looking at what's around um you know, and a lot of these millennials just don't get it. Keep your frickin' eye on the road or don't drive
0: <sighs> out of the mouth of Jasmine St. Clair, ladies and gentlemen, words and wisdom to live by. Uh, you know, yeah. it's funny because um, I know that you talk about uh, in your show, the piece uh, PC culture, cancel culture. Uh, yeah. So so elaborate a little. I was going to ask you that later on in the interview. But while you're since you bring it up, elaborate on that a little bit more.
2: Shock culture, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Well, it's kind of. Let me just say a second before I actually fuck it. Let's keep English. I didn't know if I was allowed to say that. Um, hold on. I feel that there's too much of this thing nowadays where people are so hmm, sensitive and so, you know, this and that, or claim they are, and they're not really. I mean, if you really think about it, they're more judgmental than you think you know yeah, sorry um so i was just i'm on the sidewalk and this guy is riding an electric scooter i hope he falls off so uh getting back to this <laughs> and you get a lot of people like that are in this whole pc culture in certain realms of entertainment and thinking oh this is so badass let's just do a crime podcast but in the reality they look down and judge on the very subjects that they're talking about, but they try to do things to be cool. And we're in this whole wave of where people come across, have this victim mentality. And if you have this victim mentality, that is all you will be seen as for the rest of your life. And and I can't take people seriously when they do that, when they go on these podcasts or these shows to talk about being a whatever an aka victim of this victim of that no one is a victim and when people could stop thinking about that things kind of get back to normal and no one like i just don't believe in it i mean unless you're like some old elderly person and it seems like everyone is doing this whole of victimhood and shaming and you can't shame and you can shame it's very hypocritical so i can wear a skirt down the street and people will call me this or call me that fine Whatever I heard, worth. But yet, if a 900 pound girl goes down the street with the same skirt and fishnets, it's totally fine. She's embracing herself. <laughs> Maybe she couldn't find anything better to wear that day. But you get what I'm saying. And then, you know, they break being edgy and all of that. But are they really, have they really lived through anything? And, you know, women today have basically castrated men of all ages. This is why. You know, a lot of 30 something year olds may ask me out because girls their age are pushing through this fourth wave of feminism. You know, and I believe women do have equal pay and equal rights. So why push it? Then you go out on a date with a guy. And then you want them to pay for it. You know, you go out, you're supposed to look beautiful. You're supposed to give a great conversation, blah, blah, blah. And it's just this whole thing where girls are like, oh, that's not right. You know, that's not feminism. Well, then what is it? You want to talk about empowerment? There's too much of this going on. And, you know, regardless of what sex you are, if you can't do the job the right way, no, you should not be making as much as the other person. Personally, I like guys making more than I do because I like to go out. There um, you go. And doesn't make me a gold digger. Um, I feel that women have really pushed through this whole thing about being a woman, and it's losing them respect with a lot of people. And secondly, when you sign an NDA with someone or a contract, you're supposed to adhere to that. That means you don't go speaking to the press. So this whole cancel culture and crap has just pushed back the women or pushed back doing business with women like twenty years. And half the time when people cry rape, I don't know. I Sometimes I feel like it's climbing the ladder of success. And people are shamed. Some friends of mine came here from Poland in a heavy metal band. And I remember that night there were a couple of girls that were on the bus that wanted to meet the band. They were drunk. One of them had sex with a guy. She was then pulled over on the way home by an officer because she was driving drunk. She said she was raped. The truth is she had a boyfriend. He didn't know where she was. As a result, these guys could not come into the States to do their tour. So amidst all this, like, cancel culture and this and that, we can't do this, can't do that, why not? You're here saying it's America, the land of the free. So why can't I have my own political views or my own this or my own that? Why does it have to be so offensive? Or is it because people just have nothing better to do? I just want to know, you know, and I don't pay attention Um It's like you have the the subways in L.A. It's like the county jail on wheels. And no one does anything. Why are there laws saying don't put your feet on the seat? Then they allow people to do it because if you say you can't, then they pull out the race card or the, you know, I'm a woman. That's why. Or I'm this, I'm that. It's like, no, it's because you're breaking the freaking law, you dumbass. It's too much. It's, to a, it's I, mean, I know I went on a whole crazy rant. No,
0: that. no, that's fine. It's 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 certainly a different <laughs> world from the one that we and you grew up on uh at People you're you're my, fun. You're younger yeah. than I am, but it's a different world, I think, that both of us grew up at. And um it's fascinating to get your point of view. Uh it actually makes me more interested on on seeing your show someday, a weird kind of fame, uh one woman show. Yeah. Um so I appreciate you uh you going there. Hey, um, we talked a little bit at the outset about coming to the XWF, which everybody knows was short lived. And I was heavily involved yeah. in to manage public enemy. Um, oh. uh, Teddy, Teddy's passing was very sudden. And, um, uh, you oh, know, yeah. Mike Durham, Johnny Grunge, you uh, he probably lived 20 years longer than than he had any right to. Um Talk to me about, and I say that with all due respect, I, I, I'm friends with his family. I was I was uh, there when he got, uh, he had his, his first uh, kids. Uh, he lived about three miles from my house uh, in Peachtree City when we both worked for WCW. So he's one of my best friends. Um, talk, talk to me about, I know you only got to work with them for that week on, uh, you know, you guys did a whole bunch of uh, vignettes. Talk to me about uh, working with them and and their, uh, you know, Mike sort of followed lead. but uh, talk to me about uh, being put in that position.
2: Yeah, and they, don't forget, I also work with them at um, 3PW when I hired them. It was fun being in that position with them because they were really cool, easygoing guys and a lot of fun. They were people who deserved more success than they actually had. And they deserved every chance and opportunity they had. They were hardworking guys. They were easygoing. They were humble. Um, what else can I say about them? They were a lot of fun. Like, Johnny Johnny was just a funny, goofy guy. Now, Flyboy, on the other hand, rock and rock, he was funny and charming, but he, he was better than Dr. Phil. I was having a guy problem that week, and he gave me advice. They were very much um, on top of their game. Um, not to swing back, but you know what I can't stand? Also, this stupid dog culture. Half the time, it's the owners that I can't stand because they walk around like it's some kind of a kid and they take their dogs out, don't even have them on niches. And then when you see a hot guy carrying like a small dog with this dumpy woman next to him, it's like he can't tell her to go to the gym. He can't tell her to improve her appearance because that's wrong. (laughs) Anyway, let me go back. It's true. What is she to get the dog to see what it's like having a kid? Anyway, so... Uh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Let
0: me That's get back okay. to this. Public so, enemy.
2: They were really they were good guys, um, and it was kind of weird being put in that situation. But it's like anything else. Some of us acclimate a lot quicker to things than others, and it's no, you know, secret that I do that in many ways. You know, put me anywhere in the world, and I'll have a new life in the, within three days. But um, they were a lot of fun to work with and easy, and they helped me with things as well so it was great i feel really honored to have been there and have worked with you and a lot of the legends that were there and it was one of the better ideas and i really like everyone that was there it was fun
0: yeah it was it was really a good cool. time um, yeah, and you're right it? You- I haven't thought about Teddy enough, you know, because he passed 20 years ago, I think. Um, yeah, oh but uh, but you're right. He Ooh. was like Dr. Phil. He was he was everybody's go to. Uh, <laughs> the guy could talk yeah, about anything. <laughs> I mean, that's what, now now that I think back about it, that's what kept grunge sane uh, back then is because Teddy was the voice of reason. But Teddy liked to party, too. Did you ever get to party with him?
2: See, I never did anything like that. I was never into drugs of any type. I don't know if that's what they were doing. And I could drink one or two glasses of wine for the week, maybe four, and I'm good. But I'm not even much of a drinker. Yeah, I mean, I went out with them when we were in Florida and a couple times in Philly. They could go. Um, but I just, you know, I was spending some time with someone else when I was in Florida a little bit. So that's all I'll say. I'm not going to get into
0: it. No worries. Um what was your you're like,
2: oh, now I wonder. <laughs> back,
0: back, uh, backtracking a little bit. Um, oh, I, now I do wonder. Backtracking a well, little
2: blonde, bit. That's, our head. that's all you have to know.
0: Blonde?
2: He was blonde. But that's the only hint I'll drop.
0: Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I I had this happen once before where somebody dropped a hint and and I got sh- hell about it on Twitter because I didn't at least ask. So could I at least ask and then you could tell me to F off? Yeah. Who was it?
2: No, you, you you can get two guesses, but that's it.
0: Um blonde. Hulk Hogan? Hell no. <laughs> Good. I was hoping not, because I don't want heat with him. Uh Greg Valentine.
2: No, it wasn't anyone old for crying out loud. Jesus Christ. Next one's gonna be such a Lulu. Okay, go ahead.
0: I'm just trying to think who was there that was blah. I used to have in my office a, 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 the whole roster hanging there. Gorgeous George? Yeah. No.
2: <laughs> no, a guy. Yeah, you'll, you'll get to it. He he wasn't from Florida, but he's from the south. Um, so, or somewhere like that. He worked with Meanie CW, too. Anyway, so, moving right along. Um, yeah, so, that was the whole thing with those two and the, the love advice Rock or Rock would give and just the advice in general was funny and he, he was like a man's man I think in many ways,
0: but very yeah. charming enough that girls liked him because he was awesome and cute. Great <laughs> guy, great guy. Great personality. Kind you know, we talked about Sherry being kind. What a kind guy. And uh literally, you know, that the, the giving you know that certain phrases are overused, but th- that's literally a guy who'd give you the shirt off his back if you needed it.
2: Yeah, I mean, he'd give you, like, the last $10 in his wallet if you really needed it for, you know, whether it was to buy hookers or drugs or whatever, you know, whatever stuff it was. He would do that. Not that I ever asked him for um for that type of thing, but yeah.
0: So you mentioned 3PW Wrestling. Uh, you and uh, your boyfriend at the time, Blue Meanie, I believe uh, started the promotion. Talk to me about going from... An actress to a wrestler slash manager to uh, somebody who ran the whole show?
2: Oh, it was fun. I mean, I already had it a green business. Like, it was like second nature to me. Um, it was a lot of fun doing that, that's for sure. And, um, you know, we, it was my idea. He came up with the name, but I was the one that actually owned it and ran the stuff, make no mistake. Um, so that was that, yeah. And, It was kind of cool, but I got sick of some of the egos towards the end of people bitching and complaining when they're getting paid 500 bucks, why they didn't want to pay like a $75 change fee. And this is someone who was on TV too. Um, But a lot of people were pleasant to work with. It was fun doing things from that, but it was time to move on. Uh, It was fun having Todd there. It was cool to like get your friends work who were actually talented. And we had the DVD deal that I secured we had TV all over in England. So it was something really different and cool. I'd left like a lot of the creative stuff up to Todd and then uh, you know some, some of the stuff up to me as well.
0: Um, when you look back overall at your time in the pro wrestling business, do you have like one memory that uh, either you're most proud of or that stands out?
2: No, I think they all were to be honest with you. Every single thing. Even from the first day I went back to the ECW arena And, um, I, you know, my top fell off (laughs) because of jazz, but I just, everything has been a pleasant memory. I've not had one single bad moment working in that business. I have to tell you, and that's a business, even if I was offered a job as a commentator or like a manager, I would, I would so take it in the drop of a hat. Um, I wanted to go to AEW, but I don't know what they're doing there or who to even contact, but who knows, you know, that is something I would totally pursue again, for sure. And I know that my promos would be a thousand times better than before. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> and you could do them in like six different languages once you learn Finnish.
2: Right. I could do my la- my show in like a zillion different languages.
0: So there you go. No. Um, as, as you may or may not know, cause I don't know how close you follow it. Uh, women's wrestling now has become, uh, it, it used to be back in your day for lack of a better word. Um, you know, uh, mud, mud, uh, mud. Yeah, mud wrestling matches and cat cat mm-hmm. fights and stuff like that. And yeah. last year the the women women's match uh, for the world title, headline WrestleMania, uh, Impact Wrestling yeah. has their world heavyweight champion, Tessa Blanchard, who's a yeah. woman. She does intergender matches. Uh, and I, I know you have a lot of feelings about about some of the negative changes. What do you think about that yeah. as a positive it's change? Too
2: much. It's too much. Let's keep it the way and what it was and you can mix it. I just feel like it's too much catering to this whole Me Too movement and all this stuff. It's too much. Just leave it for what it was. You mix them in and that's it. Really? I mean, seriously. And I'm, I'm not trying to be biased against what their talents are. Alita was very talented, but it, it's too much. Let's drop it now. And let's go back to what really sold tickets back in the day. This sells as well, yeah, but it's not the same. It really isn't. I don't think it is.
0: Oh, interesting. It's
2: nice to have the matches in there. It's great. It's nice to have the women as managers because that always sold. I mean, it's sex and violence itself. Like, not to sound <laughs> like a shamanistic jerk on, but you know what I'm saying.
0: If you ever want to go viral, tweet that out someday. <laughs> I what, do I, what
2: do you want me to put?
0: No, I was going to say if you ever wanted to go viral, you could tweet that out because uh, it would. Uh, th- these these women are very very proud about what they're doing and uh, probably would have they a different. I have a lot it of respect for, for everybody's opinion. That's the thing. Uh, you know, the one thing I'll they say about respect the cu- that. cancel culture.
2: Respect
0: that. Yeah, anyway. I, I, you know, I respect your opinion. I respect the fact that, uh, you know, Tessa Blanchard goes out there and works her butt off and deserves everything. Yeah. she. So, the, you know, the, that's, not
2: saying she should, but she should still get a recognition. But stop trying to push the whole thing. Women, this woman that we get it. Okay, we get it. Women can do it, too. We totally understand that. So let's just drop it. And you know, let's go back to our regular program. We get it. You guys proved your point. It's just like having a, like a prosecutor that's a woman or a different ethnicity. They kind of like they go out and they work super harder to prove themselves. So you already proved yourself. So let's move on.
0: <laughs> so and if internet is if the internet is true and if Wikipedia is true, um, then you are Howard Stern's number one rated guest in the nineties. Is that accurate? That is true. 100%. Talk to me. Talk to me about going and doing Howard Stern because, uh, you know, he he doesn't throw softballs.
2: Right. So that was um, it was really easy to deal with him because oh, thank you. Yeah. it was super easy dealing with him uh, because don't forget, I grew up listening to him as well. I, I participated in his record. Um, what did he call him? His record replacement thing where he'd replace albums that you had and so forth. So it was really cool. And another thing, meeting one of my idols, he was fun and I didn't have any problem answering his, anything he asked me, um, in a very, let's see, a very honest way, because I wasn't really taught to do this thing where you have a mask to a degree. Um, it was interesting. I really felt flattered going on there a bunch of times at the time. I had no idea that I was participating and creating or becoming this whole part of the shock culture, which is really cool because people could only imagine what it was like back then, you know, in my show, we are kind of fame, We do show clips from part of these things because you have younger kids, younger people that come to the show and always heard about it, but they just never really saw it live, like what it was like. And it's sad that they will never have that ever. You know, they'll have these low rent like podcasters thinking they're being edgy and cool and they don't understand Howard had a way about doing it without being too overkill and trying to be cool and outrageous and shocking that's been done. So anyone else that does it after that is like a low rent wannabe. You can't do what Howard did and you can't just put a microphone on with your laptop from your mommy's and daddy's place and You know, do it. It's a really special thing he had. I don't know what it is. It's because it was organic. And you could tell when people aren't being organic when they talk about things. And you can tell when people are doing it just to be obnoxious. You could definitely tell when they're doing it to try to shock and outrage people and get attention. But it just doesn't work, period.
0: Was there anything that you said on his show ever that you, like, the next day you thought, you know, "Eh, I probably shouldn't have said that? No. I didn't that think how so.
2: Was
0: to answer that. I didn't. I, I didn't. And I, and I, if I had a hundred dollar bill right now, I'd have put it on that you were to said no. You, you're not the type to to uh, to regret anything that you do. Um,
2: no, you're not supposed to. When you go around regretting things and you start throwing a pity party, you become a victim. And if you want to live with the mindset of a victim, that's all people are ever going to see you as. And you're never going to grow as anything in your life, case closed. It's one thing being like an elderly person that was killed by, let's say, the Night Stalker. It's, it's one thing, you know, um, not really being able to defend yourself. And those are really bad things that happen. But when you hear about these other things, oh, I'm a victim. It's like, that's your card you're going to play. Okay, fine. <laughs> you do that. A lot of bad things have happened to me along the way. Make no mistake, but you don't hear me crying and complaining and becoming this and doing that about it. I just don't because it's not in my blood. It's not in my mindset to do that. It's in my mindset to like do things and, you know, whatever, ha, 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 or just keep moving on with it. And that's how your life goes. I don't believe in reincarnation and I would never want to be reincarnated. I don't want to trade my life. Or my family, or my parents for anything in this world. You can give me like five hundred million dollars, and I still wouldn't want it. That I to would. me is something I wouldn't want. I'd, I'd
0: take yeah. the five hundred million, but I respect that. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm reading. I'm going to read you a quote, and it's a quote sure. uh, that um, somebody who reviewed your show wrote, and um, uh, it's it's from your website. So I'm assuming that it. My you, website.
2: Uh, I don't have a website. Okay. Or.
0: Some of the promotional material I got. Then I apologize. Um, it says the show is a journey through shock culture in the '90s, covering subcultures of porn, pro wrestling, and heavy metal. I'm wondering. Yeah. If, I'm, I'm wondering if there was a common theme through those three businesses: porn, pro wrestling, heavy metal.
2: Well, not really, because you can't see me as a typical porn star. That's really blasé, normal, and boring. I was a catalyst in American shock culture. So I think the only thing really is it's kind of the same fan base. Um, Then let's see what else is there. It's extreme. Um, And it all involves to some degree uh, some form of sex and violence. And, you know, doing a porn and being Howard Stern. Number one rated guest. What were you doing? Like, what made you so special? Um, and that's it. You I mean, there's things like being in all those, like whatever it is, like those, mag- those different magazines, like Esquire. I was on the highest selling issue of Vibe magazine. Shut up. Anyway, um, you know, it's it's a different sort of stature, and it's a different thing that people think and talk about. And this one woman shows reintroducing me to society where we're in this uptight moment. I mean, I do get a lot of younger girls that come to the show and younger guys, but they're the cool ones. Then you get like on opening night, I remember there's this girl sitting there. Okay. And she's like looking at me and staring at me. And I'm just like, why is this? So I'm trying to reason this in my brain. Like, why would she be here sitting there? looking and looking and my good friend nico came up to me he was talking to her then i went up to him i said what does she want who is she how does she know me he's like no she took classes at second city and she saw one of your promotional cards and wanted to check out the show i'm like oh okay people have to remind me you're on stage talking doing this whole thing so people are in the audience looking at you and they totally forget this shit half the time when i'm doing it you know because you're in there in your own world I don't really look at people anymore in the audience. Like, the lights are way too bright. Yeah. So For it's sure. I know. weird. I mean, it's, it's. I don't know what the common theme is. I mean, these are all things that people don't really give enough. Um, it's not mainstream boring culture. It's not mainstream Britney Spears, which is boring. It's not mainstream. Oh, my God. Like, this crappy, like, singing that's going on today. It's not the mainstream vanilla wrestling you're watching it's not you know a mainstream sex film for crying out loud so it's cooler and it's different and that's why it's called counterculture it's, the, it's things people are probably too shy to say they have a fascination with and too embarrassed i don't know if well, this makes sense or I no no to it, it, it makes no no no
0: yeah. I, I, I no, I find you extremely interesting, and um, and and you're you know you're one of those people that your opinions your opinion, and you're not afraid to say it. and You stand behind it, and there's not a lot of people like that anymore uh, out there. That's why they hide behind people hide behind Twitter, which is a whole different story. Um, their
2: mommy skirts, you mean? Their little mommy <laughs> skirts, the dad's briefcase and wallet. Yeah, I get it. I get it all the time. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah. now, like now, now I'm even more interested to seeing this show. It's called a weird kind of fame, uh, and it will at some point be on the at the cutting room in New York City. And back That's at uh, six, June sixth, June sixth. Hopefully, cross your fingers, knock on wood, and um, and if people want to follow you, I know you're on Twitter at Jasmine St. Clair. Correct.
2: That is correct. No E at the end of Jasmine. E at the end of Claire.
0: Jasmine it's been uh, like I said you're a unique person and uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you I wish you nothing but the best and hopefully I could catch the show one day
2: thank you I hope it comes to Florida let's hope and you know I wish you the best of everything throughout this insanity and stay productive and stay peachy
0: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen I want to thank Jasmine St. Clair for being honest and telling her story and if you want to hear her, more of her story. I've heard rave reviews about her one-woman show where she goes into detail about the adult film industry and how she got involved and uh, her whole life, basically. And um, uh, no matter what you think of her, no matter what you think about some of her comments, that I'm sure will go viral because uh, there's a lot of women that are very proud of the women's revolution. And she doesn't, uh, she was texting me after we did that. She wasn't, wasn't like she wasn't proud of of the women's revolution. She just thought that you shouldn't harp on it and that everybody should just, uh, be treated the same. And anyway, you heard what she said. I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but I'm sure that there's going to be some on social media that don't take too kindly to the comments. So, uh, but, but I thank her for her honesty. Um, Speaking of the cancel culture and the Twitter and all that uh, next week, we're going to have, we're going to continue with the same theme, I guess we're going to have a really interesting guest uh, who has recently changed his gimmick and mostly as a shoot, which I was able to find out in a um, interview that I heard with him. And I'm talking about Joey Ryan, who's now doing a cancer culture gimmick in impact wrestling. And, He's going to talk to us about the reason why he did that, uh, about the thoughts on all the heat that he took for doing the uh, penis flips, and about his career as well. So looking forward to having Joey Ryan and I guess kind of a different uh, uh, side of the cancel culture. Also meant to say this in the uh, WrestleMania um, comments, but while I thought the edge and – Randy Orton match was way too long, as we talked about, as I mentioned. I did want to thank them for giving me a tour of the Performance Center, which I've never been invited to. So it was nice to see a tour and see what that looked like, uh, other than the main studio section that we see every week these days. So thank you, Edge and Randy Orton, for the tour. And uh, thanks, Kerry Taylor, and for nothing. Love you, T. All right, ladies and gentlemen, again, follow me on Twitter, at David Penzer, all one word. If you have any questions about anything we talked or opinions about anything that I talked about, any WrestleMania stuff, the Kevin Sullivan interview, anything about Jasmine, uh, you can hit me up, and I'm happy to, to talk with you uh, for sure. And don't forget next week, Joey Ryan, I think that's going to be a fascinating interview as well. So stick around for that. And we got a lot of great interviews lined up. I've never had so much depth on the bench, so to speak. Knock on wood now. I'll try, try to find that somebody and everybody that said they were going to do it are going to say no. But really, we've never had that, this much depth uh, on the bench. So i really looking forward to the summer and beyond. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Uh, We hope that in these crazy times, it gives you a little bit of a break. And by all means, stay safe. Until next time, I'm David Penzer, still sitting ringside.
1: Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been Sitting Ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence.
0: This is a dark to light with Frankenbeans quick Fix on Radio Influence. We're
2: also seeing that Dr. Fauci, our friend Dr. Fauci inside of the the, the I don't know, what do you want to call it, the decision-maker crew of this virus, this virus task force.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um is saying now that he doesn't think that we should ever again in our lives shake hands with anybody. Ever.
1: Well, that's you know, that that's really at the, the basis of all this to say, I think it's time that we get back to work. Well, it's even if we go back to work, the the real thing here is that there has been a precedent set. And, you know, I'd put money on it that every flu season from from now until whenever there's going to be at least one state, one county somewhere that does full shut. Everybody really loves these new powers that they have acquired. This has been there's been way too much. So, yeah, we go on back and all this was on on a knee jerk response because of people like this Fauci guy saying that there would be a quarter of a million people dead by summer. And now they're saying that we we may end up with just regular flu season totals um, while while mysteriously every other disease is seeing uh, plummeting death rates at the same time. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. No one else is dying from anything.
1: Yeah, no, it's just it's amazing. It's all amazing, and that and that bricks that bricks woman, she I, I I heard it coming out of her mouth that they're 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 telling everybody it doesn't matter if you have if you're dying from five things if you die positive of COVID we're counting it as a COVID death like oh all right well then I mean what is everybody believing about this and it doesn't it doesn't even matter to me anymore.
0: Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.